It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 173, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan, and we are joined once again by our good friend, 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. Ty, how you doing? What's going on? How are we doing today? I'm doing splendid. Uh, obviously, the Bruins season's over. Uh, that's why we're here to talk about uh, just a crushing result. For a team that had so much promise, so much optimism after a uh, 6-0-0 start, uh, smell it in. What's the point? Like, as I've seen from scouring social media, Ty, frankly, what's the point of watching the rest of these games if, if they're going to uh, give up a, a late lead to a team like Anaheim? It's not a result you want. Yeah, breakup day is tomorrow at 10 a.m. Yes. Uh, bring your recorder. Make sure it's charged. Make sure the batteries are all the way up. Uh, make sure the fire alarm doesn't go off like it did last year at breakup day. That was funny. Uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting, right? Because I, when you lose this kind of game, all of a sudden, everyone who told you that going 6-0 doesn't matter, now the sky is falling after one loss, which I find interesting. That's sort of how you can flip that switch like that, where now it now the results for the first six games don't matter. But on the seventh game, they really do matter. And, and I get it. The loss was ugly. But I don't know. Doesn't this happen every year? Doesn't this – like? Don't they go out on the West Coast, have a good road trip, and that first game back, you didn't have a practice, your body's still kind of out of whack, and you lay an egg, or, or or you just you fall apart. Like, I feel like we've gone through this before. Maybe that's why I just kind of laugh when we panic, like we've never seen them go through this before. Um, wasn't it the Seattle game last year? Wasn't that right after a West Coast trip? They came home, so. laid an egg, and it was like it was just horrible. And the different forms of laying eggs, I know late game collapses are always worse than no shows, but this kind of stuff happens over the course of a two game season. So getting too high, getting too low, seven games in, I think it's a little silly, honestly. Yeah. And it's something too. people forget. What was it like two or three years ago where Bruins, again, were a really, really strong competitive team. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, who were dog shit like we're really really bad <laughs> even i think like the new jersey devils back when they were really bad those are the teams that gave you like the the most trouble you had like multiple losses against a really bad detroit team really bad jersey team like igor sharangovich was like a heart trophy candidate whenever he played mckenzie blackwood was like a besno uh contender whenever he played the bruins like these this is not an outlier like again it's stark to lose to a team like this in the manner uh, of the way that game went again 
shit happens in hockey. <laughs> like, again, yeah. it's not an outlier or anything like that. But this is not the first time a very good, you know, competitive Bruins team has lost to a, a game that I think Bruins fans probably look at and check off the calendar. Like, oh, there's two points right there. Shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the other part of that, too, is that, like, you look at it from the point of view of, okay, well, you you want them to go through some adversity. This is kind of what you want them to go through, right? Like if you were one of these people who says, well, they had an easy year last year. They didn't go through any, you know, they didn't go through the mud at any point. Blowing a two goal lead with a minute and 55 seconds left, that's going through the mud. And now it's about seeing how they respond. You know, like they have a tough test up ahead, but honestly, like I'm one of these people who would think, you know, they weren't going to go 82 and 0. They weren't going to go 60 and 20 for that matter. So you've banked 13 of a possible 14 points. That is infinitely more important to me than the way you lost last night because I do think the points you've banked away so far, that is going to make your life easier in March and April because I think we agree this team is going to – like we think this team is going to be good. But what if they're closer to being a wild card team? You got 13 of a possible 14 points, and you should have gotten most of those points. You know what I'm saying? Like the L.A. game is one that I look at and say, yeah, maybe you should have lost that game. The Anaheim game in Anaheim, second leg of a back-to-back, third and four. Like, you maybe could have lost that game. Like, sort of bank away 13 points out of 14. While you're going to be mad right now about not getting the 14th, it's going to be valuable in March and April when you're not chasing, you know, the standings and you need every single win to get in. Yeah. So, I think we both agree. Shitty result, for sure. Not hitting the panic button yet. Long season. You've got to take those lumps now. Um but looking at that game in particular, uh, people look at the manner in which they lost. Frustrating end, could not get a clear to save their life, obviously, in, in a critical moment there. Leaves a, a bad taste in their mouth. But beyond like the the failed clears and what have you, was there any other kind of trend from that game that, again, in the, the window or through the lens of just one game, was there a trend or something you noticed from the team that you're like, all right, got to fix that, you know, to make sure it's not a, a trend that continues beyond a result like uh, – like Thursday night. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I I think that this team really needs to find their puck possession game. Like outside of their head to heads against Chicago, it's been a white knuckle ride. It it feels like in terms of possessing the puck, in terms of being able to put games away, you know, like, and I think that was something that was really a calling card of this team a year ago is they, they, they possessed the puck so much that it was easier to find that, that put away goal. You know, like like teams weren't on the ropes as much and, and hanging around like because the Bruins got the puck, decided the game was over, and that was that. This year, it's a little bit different. It's It's been a little bit different in terms of like, you know, how they're winning these games. It, it really has been on the back of their goaltending. So, I, and this team is going to be a bit more scoring challenged versus, you know, last year's team, obviously. Uh, but I think that when you, when you, when you are, you know, find yourself in these kind of positions, you've got to put these games away early if you're not going to be a dominant puck possession team. So that's the one area that I'm looking at and saying they got to find a way to put teams to bed a little bit quicker. Um, but again, that that's something that, you know, Jim Montgomery sort of alluded to it, that they're a work in progress scoring-wise. It's like, you know, Pasternak is going to score. But beyond that, I mean, what, what what would you say your best sort of line is, you know, outside of that? Mm-hmm. Is, is it is it JVR Coyle and Frederick? And they broke those guys up last night for a good chunk of the game. So I, I think there's a mix of that. And and the lack of continuity, I think is like, it's, it's starting to kind of rear its head, I think in a way. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it has to come down to ultimately is extending leads, uh, finishing more chances. I mean, it's something where you look at the way that they're, they're kind of the same 
they have the same approach as last year where, I mean, I think they're sixth in the league in high danger chances, like in, at five and five play, like they're being more selective at generating better looks. Again, you look at like the Zaka two on one uh, with Poston like that last game, you're like, all right, that would have been a, a good way to, to bump up that number just a little bit more. Um, so like, I think they're adhering to what Montgomery wants them to do and they're following those best practices towards generating chances, but a little bit more in terms of finishing, uh, just making life easier for themselves. I mean, you look at the matchups they have coming up, uh, how much a two or three goal lead would, would be huge against some of those earlier matches. But I also agree with you, Ty. It's like, all right, you need to get more cohesion. You need to get more chemistry. doesn't really help when you're, you know, five, 10 minutes into a game and all of a sudden the lines are getting jumbled up. Like you look at the way these guys are, are, are set up, like other than maybe coil, Frederick and JVR, which I think we've seen probably the most of, and it's not like they've got an extended sample size. There's not any line that I think you can be like, all right, we've seen enough to see that they can be good together. Like we see guys that have flashes together, like, you know, uh, Potter and Geeky look good, but it's not like any other like set groupings right now that have played enough where we're like, all right, this is an extended sample size. They, we know what they can do here and let's let them, let them marinate a little bit. You haven't really seen that at all. Yeah, and there's also, you know, that's kind of twofold as a problem because, you know, as you alluded to with Montgomery, like he's not a shot volume guy. He's mm -hmm. a take the best look available guy. So when you take the best look available and you're not scoring, it, it kind of comes back to haunt you, you know, if you're unable to find that that go ahead goal. And I think it's I think what's frustrating for people is that you look at the goaltending, even last night, Linus Allmark did enough to win that game, in my opinion. Yeah. Did enough to win that game. He comes through with the initial save on Troy Terry. I don't know how he made that save, but he can't corral the rebound because he's down and out, sprawled out, butterfly. And Leo Carlson, who's going to be a phenomenal player. My goodness, yes. that guy's going to yeah. be good. Uh, right there on the doorstep for the putaway goal. And then you look in the overtime, uh, Zegers comes down, crazy move. Omar denies him, but the Bruins never get the puck. They they never get the puck to do anything with it. Next thing you know, two, 205, 206, whatever it was. Uh, Mason McTavish off a great pass in zone entry from Leo Carlson again uh, scores games over, you know, like, so like their goaltending last night did enough to win the game in my opinion, mm -hmm. but you didn't put the game away. The Johnny Beecher three on two shorthanded that, that goes wide Pavel Zaka on a breakaway, passing it behind him. What are you doing? Shoot it. Never pass behind you on a breakaway. Just don't do that. Uh, Pasternak had a one-timer that, bounced off it looked like it was a gibson's wrist his elbow yeah. i don't know where it was but it didn't go in like these things loom when you are not as deep as you typically are and when you don't have to puck as much as you are so or as much as you should so that's when you know the cohesion that we're talking about and finding that other combo whoever it may be it becomes of great importance to you because because without it you're going to be in more of these kind of situations where you're saying you got enough but you know, your, your mess ups here and there ultimately cost you. Yeah. So sky's not falling yet. Again, this is not, the result is not what you want, but um, this is more or less what we expect from this team. Great defensively, great elite in net, but you're going to have some of these uglier games where we're going to be wishing for that extra goal or what have you to put the, put the game away. You're not going to get it to be more of a grind out season, which I think is what we've all mapped out before. So this will probably not be, the first time we see a game like this, hopefully not, uh, you know, giving up two goals in a minute 40 in that regard, but a lot more games, like you said, white knuckle of uh, protecting one goal leads late, empty net, those situations, probably more of those on the horizon. Um, 
But before we, we turn the page looking ahead, let's take a brief break and hear from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is going to throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, shout out to our sponsors over at FanDuel. All right, Ty. What uh, happened? He... Why, why no Evan? Why no Evan? Is he is he Hollywood now? Yeah, he's it's part of like you know the uh, the SAG strike, so he's, uh, he's taking a break here. So we want to well, get we, gotta, we, we, ta- we got Tanger on it. He's just as yes. good. So yes, exactly. So yeah, Evan Evan's doing a holdout right now. We'll we'll discuss that off air. We'll we'll, we'll try to get him back <laughs> on and we'll work on those things. So he's getting suspended for forty one games. Oh no, the <laughs> guy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as we as we look ahead, Ty, and I think. Uh, one of the reasons why for a, a very maybe vocal group of Bruins fans, the sky is suddenly falling after a dreadful 6-0-1 start is the fact that schedule is going to get a lot tougher. I mean, you look at this next stretch here, Red Wings, Panthers, Maple Leafs, Red Wings again, Dallas Stars. Um, after, a, again, a pretty soft uh, entry to the new season, things are going to really ramp up here with a, a couple of teams that we expect the Bruins will most likely see at some point in the playoffs if they want to put together a long run here. So maybe not looking at the specific matchup of the teams, but what are you hoping to see from this Bruins team against, you know, this elevated competition and what these other teams might throw at them? Yeah, I think you definitely want to see, you know, what we've alluded to here is just more scoring punch. You know, Detroit is going to come to Boston with a league high 35 goals through eight games that Dylan Larkin, Alex Brinkett, one, two has been really effective for Detroit. Um, they still have some question marks goaltending wise. You know, they lost five, four to the Kraken uh, the other night in overtime. So you can score on them. So it's a matter, I think, of really your other combos, you know, or your other wingers besides David Pasternak and even Brad Marchand, you know, getting on the board, getting some chemistry going, some comfort, some feel. You know, you're seven games in now. You should have a rough idea of, of how you can utilize certain guys and where they're best slotted for your team. So that's what I want to see. You know, Toronto is also a top 10 offense. You want to see them be able to hang with them um, as well. You know, maybe the Bruins luck out and draw Ilya Samsonov uh, with their goalie rotation. I doubt that, though, based on how Toronto treats Bruins yeah. matchups. But Joseph Wall has been incredible for them out of the gate. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I'm not worried about their goaltending. 
I'm not that worried about their defense. I think their defense has been underrated. You know, they've given up some chances, sure. But on the whole, I think that for the most part, they've been playing the way that you want them to play. It's really about their scoring and and finding another another winger or two that you can lean on, you know, beyond Pasternak, beyond uh, uh, Marshan. I think DeBrusque, you know, he's been, he's been slow out of the gate, obviously. But I thought last night was the first night where I didn't really notice him until the third period. He had, he had a centering yeah. pass in the third period. And I was like, you know, beyond that, I really haven't noticed him for the reasons I want to, you know? Yeah. And, and so he's got to get going. And, and and we know how he is. We we know that he's a guy that gets one bounce and it's off to the races. Like you just need that one bounce now to result in something tangible. Uh, because I, I think that, you know, he's their third best winger, you know, and he's an important part of this, this program. And, and so you got to get him going. So that's what I'd want to see. Personally, because mm-hmm. I, I think everything else is fine. It's it's winnable, so to speak. But the yeah. offense, with these kind of games, you got to get some more results from some of these guys that are kind of quiet right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's something where I think you look at these matchups. Again, the defense and goaltending should hold against some high-scoring teams, as you said, Detroit. Florida has a lot of firepower, as we as we all know. Toronto, um, you need to see the scoring at their end. It's tough because, like, the one thing I really wanted to see, and something we've talked about before, I think, where the identity of this team shifting to a more grind-out physical team, like, it really sucks that Lucic and Lauko are probably not going to be available for some of the stretch because I think you look at the way Florida plays, you know, you know what they're going to bring. You look at what Toronto did this offseason. It's not to say that, like, you need to uh, – I'm pissed because I'm not going to see a Lucic-Ryan Reeves fight, right? But you know, like, there's going to be more of that – back and forth that post whistle uh you know uh altercations i guess you want to say what have you like you know there's gonna be more of that that snarl and teams trying to knock the bruins off their game and the bruins seem better equipped for that if not that is that wants to be their identity right like where you're not going to have you know as much offensive firepower like this would have been the perfect opportunity to see how this team can kind of adapt and use that new mindset especially kind of up front of how they want to play um, so I don't know how much you're going to really see that with like a guy like Lucic out. We'll see like what happens in some of these games, but, um, as the Bruins, I think kind of try to shift that identity beyond just the fact that they're rooted in defense and goaltending, like having a little bit more of a, a prickly disposition, uh, be interesting to see how they can match up with a team like Florida or a team like the Maple Leafs. Cause I think those could be really good games in terms of getting that character out of them. So, um, the, for me, that's kind of what I look at as well. Terms of just how they match up in that regard, beyond the the wins and losses and what have you. Yeah, and and they kind of luck out here because I was, you know, I was really wondering, you know, if this is a harder schedule, of course, but we know the firepower of these teams. But between Florida and Dallas, those are two of the the seven worst power plays in the league out of the gate. The Bruins yeah. are taking a lot of penalties right now, so if it becomes a physical game you should take a little bit of comfort in realizing that, okay, well, these power plays aren't really clicking right now. So you might get bailed out by that, but yeah, I don't like Jim Montgomery's talked about this all, all training camp and all, all, you know, seven games of the year, they want to be more physical. Right. And so they like, 
this is going to be a good test in terms of, you know, the way that Florida scores their goals, right? Especially with the way that Florida is missing some key defensemen right now. Yeah. Um, so you should be able to get inside ice on, you know, a defense core that has Ekman Larson and Mike Riley. And, you know, like you should be able to get in there and, and make some noise between the circles, you know, and get some high danger looks. You got to convert them, though. And, and that's kind of where they are, you know. Dallas, different story. I love their defense. I think their yeah. defense is can, is a real nightmare, real bitch to go against. So, um, and Toronto, we'll see. You know, I think Toronto can score can can score their way out of a lot of their problems. But you look at the the way they're still allowing chances, like high danger looks. It's why Joseph Wall has had to be so good uh, out of the gate. So, um, I think that that's something you know worth watching. Like the emotional. This is going to be a good test of their emotional aptitude, so to speak. You know, like again, Detroit's flying high. Florida playoff matchup, Toronto's Toronto. Like this should be a good test for how this team gets up emotionally, physically, and how they engage. Because, you know, through seven games, it's easy to be sleepy. You got Western coast, you got California teams. You don't see these teams very often. You don't really care, you know, but like you're going to see these teams, as you said earlier, like, so I want to know how, how into it they are and how their coach gets them to kind of come out flying because they've also had to play from behind a lot in these games. I, I think if you get charged up physically, you're not playing from behind as much. Yeah, and it's also very funny watching that Anaheim team and seeing a good friend Radko Gudis once again makes it even more frustrating the loss to a team that had a guy like him playing over twenty minutes a night. It baffles. They had, they had four. They had four defensemen. That's what blows my mind. Going back on that series, it was the deepest Bruins team my entire life, and I know they had injuries, but nevertheless, they lose to a team that was rolling out four defensemen, two of which are Radko Gudis and Mark, Mark Stahl. Stahl. It's yeah. like, oh my god, how did this happen? But it's proof that it doesn't really matter so long as you get in. So you know what you got to do in the meantime? You got to bank points away so that you get in. And that's that's the thing that I've been trying to tell everybody. Just get in. 2023 broke my brain. I yes. no longer care about seeding. I no longer care about how you look. Just get in and see what happens. Absolutely. All right, Ty. Well, before we wrap this up, we'll do a quick little segment here where uh, looking ahead at this season, what is one Bruins player – that you want to see a little bit more out of so far this season. This guy needs to give a little bit more. Yeah, you got to give. You got to give. Uh, well, yeah, we talked about we, we talked about Dabrowski. I think he's gonna he's gonna end up turning it around. So I'm not gonna go with him. I'm actually gonna go with Hampus Lindholm here. And, and I say that not. I think he's done a, a pretty decent job defensively out of the gate. He's had some games where he's been really good. Uh, he's also had some bad luck. I think he's had three goals go off him and into his own net. Um, but this is a guy who put up. 50 points last year. You know, this was a guy who really thrived in terms of getting the puck. You know, he started shifting his own zone, but next thing you know, he's they're creating offense the other end. You know, there was a sequence last night uh, in Thursday night's game, rather, where the Bruins pinned Anaheim in their own zone for about, I want to say, 45 seconds to a minute. And it really was a result of Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo using their size and their reach to keep plays alive and keep the Ducks pinned in. And what happened is the Bruins were actually able to change and they were able to get the coil line off and bring out the Potra line. And you saw it, you saw it wear down Anaheim, but that is when Lindholm is at his absolute best in terms of, uh, in terms of knowing using his offensive instincts to keep plays alive, to carry the puck, to, you know, to, to take a little ride with it, you know, and see where it goes. Like mm-hmm. you got to see more of that. And so I, while I think he's been good defensively, I think offensively, you got to see a little bit more of that, that, take charge mentality, uh, not only to create offense, but to wear teams down because he's a like when he gets going, he's a load, man. He's six yeah. foot four and like two twenty five. Like 
It's a hard guy to slow down when he gets going. So you want to see that more in the offensive zone, I think. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think for me, I'll keep mine brief, but... Uh... I think you look at Pablo Zaka. I think he's been really actually solid at five on five play, especially defensively made a lot of impactful plays there. Um, Notwithstanding you look at, you know, the field clears, the end of the game, tough look there, but I'm looking more at him on the power play unit. Again, I don't think it all kind of falls on him, but I think there's been some growing pains there with him in that bumper spot, whether it's just pucks are not getting through the seams Um, guys are just, you know, a split second, you know, all takes is kind of a millisecond of hesitation to have the PK reset pressure a guy you're just not seeing kind of that same cohesion yet which i think is to be expected when you have a guy who's been a fixture in that spot before him uh for over a decade right there's going to be some learning curves there but whether it's shifting him around a little bit maybe putting someone like coil in at the bumper or like hell like matt potter looks pretty good in that spot when he's on the second power play unit i don't know if they'd give it to him right out of the gate but i think that's something worth keeping tabs on uh in terms of zaka in that spot because you need that power play to get going i don't know if you're going to have the expectation of them being a, you know, a top five grouping this year or they've been in years past, but you need to be more than I think they're 16th right now, or they got a 16% uh, conversion rate on the power play so far. You need to bump that up a little bit, especially when you're, it might be a little bit more of a slog this season uh, in terms of scoring at five on five play. So they need a little bit more for out of Zaka in that regard. Yeah, 19th ranked power play entering yeah. the weekend, uh, 16%, as you mentioned. Yeah, quicker. He's got to be quicker on the power play. You know, I, I think that's something that defenses keep getting bigger, teams keep getting smarter. So you have to really know what you're doing before the puck is on your stick. And so there's no time for hesitation. You know, I think that was something that that played to Zaka's strengths last year was that he had so much time and space because playing with Krejci and Pasternak. Well, now teams are keen in on you, right? So how do you adapt? And so I think, I think quicker, you know, as you kind of noted, like you need to be quicker with the puck on your stick, especially on the power play. Absolutely. All right. Well, as the Bruins uh, get ready for this uh, key stretch here, uh, still in the early stage of the season, Ty, uh, where can we uh, find all of your content on the interwebs? Uh, too many places. No. Uh, so I will be, uh, I still with 985 sports Hub. uh, so you can check that out there. Twitter, X, Facebook, whatever. Um, I'm also on there. Um, also doing some stuff. My good friends, uh, over at hockey buzz, they needed to see some Bruins, some Bruins stuff. And I said, Hey, I used to do that for you guys. So, uh, but that's, you know, so that uh, you'll see that on occasion as well. So, um, everywhere. Everywhere, all at once. Everywhere, it, it's not. It's 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 not a uh, not an ideal path, but you know we do it for the people. We love the people. Uh, great. We. I don't know about you, uh, but great October numbers wise. So yeah. one thing you can say is, is as disappointing as last year was. 
uh, the fans care. And that's, and that's the greatest thing about, you know, covering the Bruins and covering Boston sports is that uh, there's, you know, no matter your frustration, people care and they want to know. So we poke fun at the, at the hysterics, uh, but we do always appreciate how much you care. Absolutely. All right. And if you guys want to follow any of uh, my stuff, obviously boston.com and follow me on Twitter. You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Probably just be me doing a lot of those Vince McMahon tweets. I don't know if you've seen them today, but they've been great of like crying Vince McMahon of like looking back at old things. Had a few of those already out today. So you can expect probably about another 28 of those uh, <laughs> over the next week. So it uh, might depend on how the Bruins win loss record is for uh, the rest of this week as well. But that'll do it for uh, episode 173 of Poke the Bear. Once again, I'm Connor Ryan. That is Ty Anderson. Thank you guys for listening.